0: You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode
1: of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesday, Wednesdays at 4 p.m., and Thursdays at 3 p.m. And we're heard exclusively here on Internet radio station, octalkradio.net. We're broadcasting live today from the brand new studios of octalkradio.net in the Tech Space facility in Costa Mesa. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to consider listening to our program during our broadcast times. The show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, Smart Business Magazine, and SmartStop Self Storage. The goal for the show is to help you make better business decisions Today's our special monthly edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. It's our nonprofit radio show where we feature two nonprofit organizations here in Southern California. We're going to have Vivian Klitschek of Human Options on the show a little later today. She's going to be our second guest. We'll probably get to her in maybe 20 minutes or so. So if you're tuning in to listen to our interview with Vivian, stay tuned. If you're listening live and you'd like to join in on the conversation, Then find the community chat room section of octalkradio.net's radio site and post with your Twitter ID. You can post your thoughts and questions to our engineer, who today is Paul Roberts. He'll bring your thoughts and ideas to our attention. Possibly I can work them into the interview either later with Vivian or my current interview that I'm planning to do right now with Maureen Caracetti, who is director with Work First, a part of Easter Seals. And so... Maureen, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you. Happy to be here, Rick.
1: It's a pleasure to have you here in the studio. And let's start by asking you, just talk a little bit about your background, kind of your path to uh, your organization.
2: Um, Well, I began my career right out of high school, actually. I've been working in the field of developmental disabilities. I was looking for a job to help supplement my college um, needs at the time, and I began working for an agency back east that was one of the first agencies to begin to de- depopulate the Willowbrook institution. Mm. And so my work there really began with visiting Willowbrook and taking people out of, out of that situation into community settings. Um, with that, I I just have developed um, a strong passion for the people that we support, and that has pretty much paved my my whole career. Um, I did relocate to San Diego in 1989 and have been working consistently with nonprofits uh, since that time. And Easter Seals presented a new opportunity because I was always on the the residential end of services for the people that we support and. The division that I lead up at Easter Seals involves employment and helping people to gain g- to gain full employment and to uh, experience positive working situations.
1: So, so so let's talk about that. I, I'm obviously I am familiar with Easter Seals. Mm-hmm. We actually had a member of Easter Seals organization here in Southern California on in April to talk about the organization and its history. I was not aware of the Work First part of Easter Seals. So kind of take us back a little bit, if you can. Sure. Set some context for what Work First is about, how it got started, and then we can talk about sure. what's going on today.
2: Well, the Easter Seals has been around, uh, obviously, I, I'm sure you know the story. It's been around since 1901, um, started by an individual that lost his son in a car crash. And it's evolved over the years. Our services mainly focus on residential um, adult day services and employment. And while employment used to be funneled out through all of the different Easter sales locations, uh, about five years ago, my vi- the vice president that I work with uh, took all of employment and put it under one umbrella mm. and d- designed the work first uh, logo and just the, the new division of Easter sales called work first. And by doing that, it allowed us to serve additional people without developmental disabilities. Um, We also work with the Department of Rehabilitation, so we work with people that have just general disabilities as well. Our focus is to customize employment and to really help people identify their ideal conditions of employment. And we don't do any subminimum wage. We don't do any group placement. And we work with a person one at a time. We don't, we don't put people in groups. And we look for jobs that are not your typical type of jobs that you would stereotypically find people with disabilities or developmental disabilities doing, like the greeter at Walmart and those kinds right. of things.
1: Right. Well, I do remember from the earlier Easter Sills interview that we were talking about the unemployment rate mm-hmm. for adults with disabilities. And it was—I don't remember the exact number, but I do remember when they when they told me about it. I was really surprised at how high it is. Yeah,
2: it's 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 nearly twenty uh, percent higher than the general population without disabilities.
1: Right, and so to find placement for them and help them find employment. Obviously, is a greater challenge than the general workforce. So, what you're, you're talking to CEOs and business owners of mid-sized companies okay. out there. What type of companies are you working with? Or if they're listening to the show today, or maybe in the future as a podcast off okay. iTunes, who would who should get in touch with you to see if maybe they might be a fit for working with you in first?
2: Well, the the best companies that we're working with are people that just have open minds. To be honest with you, um, through our services, we as we do a process called discovery Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and in this process it allows us to really get to know the individual and to get to know their talents and to get to know what turns them on I I mean people come alive through their work yes and so our goal is to really help tap into what is that what does that look like for this individual and so through this process we're able to identify their ideal conditions and then we look at what those ideal conditions are, and then we make relationships with employers, and we help, We kind of find a match. We're not going to employers and saying, hey, we have this guy with a developmental disability. Can you hire him? We're going to employers and saying, you know, what needs do you have? How do you, How can you become a more lucrative businesses, business? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the things that, that are missing that you want to expand on? And if we have an individual that those conditions exist for in terms of really being able to, to be a good match, then then it, it benefits everybody. And we have people that are going into the workforce. It's good for our communities. And we've seen some really positive, positive successes.
1: We were talking before the show started that you've been in this position with Work First as a part of Easter Seals for about 18 months now. Correct. Can you give us a sense for how many placements or how many people you're working with? How large of a a group of people are you working with to help find jobs here in Southern California?
2: Um, Currently, we are serving 147 people, and we do a variety of services. We do direct placement, which is through the Department of Rehabilitation, and then we do uh, supported employment. And then with supported employment, we do follow-along coaching. So if an individual needs a job coach uh, to assist them on the job and hopefully we fade that out over a period of time, then um, we're able to we're able to offer those offer those services. We have over the during the time that I've been there, we have placed thirty-seven individuals okay. into jobs. Um and some of, the, some, some of the jobs have been, you know, life-changing.
1: Jobs are important. Exactly. Gallup, the international organization, did a worldwide survey. And mm-hmm. across the globe, regardless of the countries that they surveyed, and I think it was 100-plus countries, and there's only 100-and-some countries in the whole world, so they yeah. did a large sampling. The number one concern that people had was for a good job. Yeah. And whether they're in this country, whether they have disabilities or not, it's really an important part of uh, of a person's daily existence to right. be able to be gainfully employed
2: right well and you spend a lot of time at work
1: and so. you do spend a lot of time at you work do. so we're going to take our first commercial break marine okay when we come back we're going to continue the conversation ladies and gentlemen about Easter Sill's work first excuse me um, division and we'll be right back after these words from our sponsor.
4: Stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So a smart stop. it took a minute to think I need a little better spot. Not under the scene.
3: With smart stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smart way to store. Smart stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888 97 Storage and mention this station. Goodbye, clutter. Hello floors. Smart stop, the smarter way to store.
1: Welcome back to Critical Brass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Maureen Caracetti, Director for Work First is our first guest. Vivian Klitschek of Human Options will be with us in about 10 minutes. I'd like to thank those of you that listen to the radio program both live but also as downloads, either off of Stitcher or Apple iTunes or one of the other podcasting services that we use. I just checked, and over the last 30 days, about 7,000 of downloads have happened of the various shows. Uh, we here at the uh, program and the radio station appreciate your support. All right, let's get back to Maureen. Maureen, talk to us in the audience about a current challenge that's facing you as the Director of Work First.
2: I think the greatest challenge that we have kind of aligns with what's going on in our economy. Um, unemployment is, is up, and... The people that we're supporting are in competition for jobs with a very large number of of people. Right. Um, so that that is that presents quite a challenge. And what we do in terms of discovery and identifying ideal conditions kind of helps us out because we're able to ke- keep people from having to enter the competitive workforce mm. where. We develop relationships with employers, uh, and that that assists us in helping to to find placement. I, if if you think about how most people get their jobs, it's through social networks. Right. It's it's you know I, I'm if I'm applying for a job one of 500 on Craig, Craigslist, it's very unlikely that I'm going to get called. Right. And so part of our process is we access the social networks and the social capital of the people that we support as well as our vocational specialists that are assisting them to find a job they're accessing their social capital within their local communities as well
1: i i think people might assume that the only, that the best employers or the most prominent employers would be the larger corporations mm-hmm. here in southern california From my earlier conversation with your organization, with Easter Seals, I came to realize that that's not the case.
2: No, we stay away from the larger employers. We stay away from the big box because they're all competitive employment. And a lot of the people that we support uh, going into an, an HR interview and all of those kinds of things is overwhelming. And while they may have the skills to do specific components of the job, that's maybe not an area of strength for them so we have most success through these smaller companies and just
1: like the people that are listening today and in the future exactly right? okay
2: exactly um, in fact we just recently um, we're working with an individual that is coming out of high school he has a developmental disability and he has done the transition program so but he's on the verge of graduation. And in getting to know him through our um, exercises of discovery, we've identified that he really likes to take stuff apart. And part of the things that we do in our activities is we take people out and we do informational interviews at different types of companies. And Sometimes we have the opportunity for the people that we support to get kind of get their hands dirty with things, and it helps us to know what they're good at. Right. So last week we took this individual into a local television shop that does repairs and and such, and we asked the um, the owner, who is an independent owner, he's owned the business for a number of years, he's you know big in the community, a, a regular small business. Mm-hmm and asked him if, you know, we can bring this individual in and see how he performs on on various tasks. He was taking televisions apart, and they were harvesting the pieces and actually selling the pieces. And so now we wouldn't have known that he could do that. I mean, that's kind of an obscure, weird thing, and it looks like we're going to be able to develop, carve a job for him within the business um, where he would be able to do that.
1: The other, the other thing that I'm learning about this is that as an employee, generally speaking, when you find somebody who has a talent and a love for a, an, an activity and you give them a job that does that, they become a very engaged worker mm-hmm. and a very loyal worker mm-hmm. doing a, a job that you might have had trouble in at other times with high turnover. Mm-hmm. And so for me, this is like Great on many levels. It's really good for the business owners that are listening to the radio show because many times some of the jobs that they could work with you to fill, they've had a lot of turnover and trouble finding people that really do the job with a lot of passion and commitment.
2: Right. Right. You're absolutely right. That's what our our philosophy is. We really want to match people with the things that, like I said earlier, help them come alive. Okay. I mean, I, I remember my father telling me as I was going off to college You know, make sure you pick something that you really like because you're going to, number one, spend a lot of time, a lot of years. It's going to become a, um, you know, a big component of your life. And if you find something that you like to do, it's like you never worked a day in your life.
1: That's right. Are there state and local programs that the business owners that are listening to this interview should realize also kind of come with? You were talking about a job coach and some other things. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, are there... Social services around hiring an adult with a developmental disability that, or disability that might be able to help the the audience understand what else comes along with that
2: yeah. individual. There, there are tax incentives, and okay. the employers can look into uh, what those tax incentives are. We don't really um, use that as part of our selling point. Okay, um, our our effort is to to allow the the business owner to see that they can really benefit. From the skills of the individuals that we support. Mm-hmm. Um, another recent example: we were working with this this gentleman, and he has some pretty significant developmental disabilities. And through our uh, meetings with him and getting to know him, we learned that he is he has a very green theme. He cares very much about the environment, and it turns out that he is doing the recycling informally at his apartment complex, going through and really, I mean, providing a resource to everyone that lives there, knows him, knows all about, um, they'll they'll say, well, how, where should I put this? Where should I put this? And the vocal specialist that was working with him took him to a recycling center and said, you know, here's a guy that's really green, right. you know, and how can I get him involved in this? So the guy said, oh, bring him in. You know, I'd love to get to know him. And he came in, they spent a couple hours together, the, the The business owner was like, you know what, this guy can run this place, he knows way more than I do. <laughs> and um, they ended up hiring him, he's uh, he's a great employee, he loves going to work, he's very happy and he's doing a great job.
1: And he'll probably really give them a lot of value for their wage, yeah. and he'll probably be with them for a long time.
2: Yeah, so it's, again, it's not, it's, that's the incentive. Uh, to me if you're asking you know what is what does the employer get out of um, hiring someone specifically with a disability okay with us we do very good job matching so it's going to to bring f- fruit to your mm-hmm. to your business It's going to be lucrative and it's going to be productive as it should be when you hire anybody.
1: So you're the director of work first mm-hmm. and you cover Southern California Yes. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: And and so that means you don't have to just be in Orange County. And if you're listening to this and you're in San Diego the Inland mm-hmm. Empire, you said how far north do you go?
2: Um our furthest office is Glendale. Okay. which is Northern LA. Right. And then um our furthest south office is National City, which is pretty much as far south as you can get down there in San right. Diego. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. So you have offices in those communities. Correct. Throughout Southern California. Mm-hmm. And so, if someone would like to learn more about Work First, how do they do that?
2: Well, they can go to our website. We have Easter, um, Southern California, Easterseals.com, and then the Work First division is WorkFirst.us. And they can get all the information there, and all of the contact information is there as well.
1: And if someone might be listening to this show who maybe is a parent mm-hmm. of an adult with a disability, or maybe as a person with a disability, how would they would they use the same vehicle to get in touch with you and say, hey, I would like to help have your help in finding a finding work?
2: Yeah, they could they could use that within the website, our our all of our contact information is okay. is there or they can call me. Um 4249
1: You may want to say that again.
2: Okay. 760-525-4249.
1: Well thank you for giving out your phone number.
2: Okay. Yeah. And,
1: and that's the best way to reach you directly yeah. or and then you have a staff?
2: I do have a staff. Okay. We yeah. have a we have a staff of vocational specialists. Those are the individuals that help people find jobs and currently have 6 and then we have job coaches and those are the people that if an individual needs support on the job, they work with the individual on the this job. This sounds
1: like a terribly rewarding thing to do.
2: It is. It really is. I, you know, I I think I found the job that doesn't feel like work. Right. I kind of followed my father's advice. And I fell into it in a, you know, an odd way. It's not like I grew up with people with developmental disabilities around me. I, I am product of the mainstream generation, but individuals that had disabilities were in a separate classroom. They right. came on smaller buses. Yeah, I, I really lucked out. I want people to feel good about their work. And to to feel satisfied. We spend a lot of time making sure that those those things happen with the people that we support. And
1: that certainly came through today on the interview. I wanna thank you for making the time to be on our show. Well thank you. Being a friend of the program, a part of our community now here in critical mass. We'll have to have you back in the future, Maureen, okay. to talk more about the programs and and kind of get a little bit more about that if you would come back to be on the show at some point. Okay, great. All right. Ladies, nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our second commercial timeout. When we come back, we'll have Vivian Klechek, CEO of Human Options, as our guest. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank Relationship Officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a smaller, medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch, too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit him online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's Commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest.
0: He used to pester me for a walk. Now it's the other way around. Hogue physicians perform more orthopedic procedures than any other hospital in Orange County. Our orthopedic program, in fact, ranks among the top five in the entire country. So whatever it is you live for, you can get back to it sooner. Because as it turns out, the best part of life is simply living it. Hogue for life. Visit us at www.hoag.org.
1: Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Did you know that 98% of our listening audience are business owners and executives? If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then make advertising on our radio show uh, a priority. It may be the answer for you. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our show. We deliver over 20,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions a month. If you'd like to learn more about advertising on Critical Mass Radio Show, then contact our advertising department at 949-887-4104. All right, it's time in the show where we turn our attention to our second guest. She's coming to us via the phone. It's Vivian Klitschek, who is CEO, Chief Executive Officer of Human Options. Vivian, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about Human Options. Talk to us about your organization, what you're focused on, the mission, and and kind of the services that you're providing here in Southern California, Vivian.
4: Human options is alternative for abused women and their families. We break the cycle of domestic violence at every stage. We have prevention programs. We work with youth in the schools, and we help change their awareness about dating violence, and help them develop healthy relationships. We have an emergency shelter for women and children coming out of an abusive family, and we give them healing, safety, counseling, and the tools and resources to begin anew. We have long-term transitional housing for those families that need extra long-term services. We have counseling centers in five locations, and we are changing the culture by helping to provide new paths for healthy relationships.
1: So take me back to the beginning of Human Options. How did it get started? Why did it get started? And then kind of bring us up. You gave us a good sense for the scope and size of the organization today. But take us back to its beginnings.
4: I am one of three co-founders. I was running a department of mental health clinic in South Orange County and doing education for our mental health advisory board. Two of the members and myself became passionate about the issue of domestic violence. When we talked to the women and we heard how the mom and the child were afraid in their own home where they should feel most safe, we became passionate. I was going to take a year and organize and raise money to start a shelter. Started October 1981. We opened the shelter October 1982, but I never left. I found a vocation, a passion, a way to make important social change. My first office was like many nonprofits that are startups, the the trunk of my car. Nice. Since 1982, we have grown from the small emergency shelter to a big emergency shelter built the first shelter in the state of California built for purpose a beautiful warm loving home where we can serve approximately 15 families at a time. we have grown to have five counseling centers and the long-term transitional housing and a big prevention program. We are a the product of a community of caring and commitment. we have a wonderful board of directors, many volunteers, strong, wonderful donors who care about us, and each year we know that we make a difference because we do formal research that shows that our residential clients are violence-free one year or more after graduation.
1: So, Vivian, from 1982 until today, what has changed in the awareness of domestic violence or how, how has this issue been dealt with and how has it changed from your perspective in the conversation and awareness of citizens here of Southern California and, you know, the larger community, L.A., Los Angeles, and actually... That's
4: a really good question. Until the mid-1970s, domestic violence was a secret. Police would say it's a family problem. Don't uh, spend the night away and come home tomorrow. In the late 1970s, after the women's movement and the beginning of shelters, the country became aware that domestic violence is a crime. It became a criminal act and we learned that we needed to intervene. Over the past 30 years, we've had many new programs develop, and we are doing prevention programs and helping to stop the number of victims who are in domestic violence and change awareness. Now we are coming to a crossroads. Recently, it has become clearly identified that domestic violence is also a major health problem. Not only does it cause injury, but it has long-term, deep effects on the brains of children who are in these homes. They are disabled in their ability to meet life challenges. And it also leads to many chronic illnesses for the women, from obesity, diabetes, heart problems. Many, many chronic illnesses are tied to the trauma of domestic violence. So we now know it's a criminal act. It's a health problem, and we have more and more partners working with us police, the courts, and more and more now health systems.
1: From your expertise being involved so deeply with this for so long, how prevalent of an issue, Vivian, is domestic violence?
4: It is the most hidden crime. It is a crime of isolation and intimidation. So the projections based on our National Department of Justice statistics are one in four women have been or is a victim of domestic violence. What we see is whenever I speak at a group, whether it is a group of affluent successful business women or a group of m- women who are new to this country and just learning about our laws, two or three or four or five people will come up to me afterward and say, I am or was a victim, but I don't want anybody to know. So until we break the shame and let the victim know that it's not her fault. We won't have absolutely accurate statistics, but we're still going by those national statistics of one in four.
1: That's a shocking number, one in four, and there's a chance that it could be greater than that based on people not reporting it, so that that is alarming. It sounds like as well that uh, domestic violence, abuse, it is not a socioeconomic, it sounds like it cuts across all the demographics as well. Is, Is that true, Vivian?
4: it is true you know we see more poor women in the shelter because they have fewer options just recently in los angeles i think it was 2 3 weeks ago a teacher stabbed his wife to death, and there was a lot of anxiety about this. A teacher, a kind of person that touches the lives of our children, but we know, those of us who provide services, that it can touch any community and any individual. Not too long ago, a woman came to the shelter, and she came carrying a big black trash bag, which is typical because when women have to leave suddenly, they throw stuff into a bag. And she also carried a battered briefcase because, as I learned later, she is a family law attorney. So we're all vulnerable, but I think that poor women are more likely to end up in a shelter because they don't have resources to help them make the decision earlier in, in the relationship. Economic dependence is a big factor that keeps women trapped. That
1: that That is perfectly logical that uh, the people who would need the help of the services because they don't have the options would be, uh, you would be more seeing them, but I'm glad that you were able to give us some examples of a teacher and a lawyer and others who are victims of this disease-slash-crime as well. I think to let everyone know, listening to the radio show both live here in the future as a podcast, maybe on iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other services, that it can affect anybody, It's it's not a function of your socioeconomic status or your heritage or anything. It is a its a real-world issue facing many women across.
4: And, and the I want to say that no matter who the woman is, we, a woman in Los Angeles did not go to the shelter. She went to a home of a friend where her husband found her. The shelter mm-hmm. is a safe place. Our own shelter is a warm home that just looks like it could be a neighborhood home. Shelters are not a place to be afraid of, and every family is treated with dignity and respect.
1: You were talking about one of your shelters where you are able to be a home for 15 families
4: right and every family has their own bedroom we do not ever put a mother and her child in a room with strangers the children have been traumatized and they need the sanctity of the family
1: talk to us about how long they stay i mean what is the expectation what can what does human options do for these in the these families women with their children when they come to you and they need your assistance
4: Emergency shelters are 30 to 45 days, and that's not very long to turn your life around. But in that crisis time, what we do is we give women a healing experience through counseling, through understanding that they're not to blame. They begin to lift up their own self-confidence, and the depression and anxiety drop. And we give them the tools to manage stress. And we help them develop the resources to move forward, resources for housing, for financial aid, for legal advocacy, and for ongoing support. So even in that short period of time, we can provide the inner strength and the tools and the resources to change their lives.
1: So 30 to 45 days, so there's, there's. Um, it sounds like. You know, every, every year you have a number of families that are coming through a, a, a home that's able to handle 15 families. Do you- right,
4: and we actually have two programs at that home. It's usually 10 to 12 families in the emergency shelter, and then we have a short-term transitional housing. By that, I mean a six-month program for five families. So we actually have two different programs from the same site.
1: And since 1982, 1981, when, when Human Options first got... 1982,
4: started. we opened the first shelter.
1: Okay. Since 1982, when you opened your first shelter, do you have a, a sense for how many families Human Options has helped?
4: You know, I, I didn't look at that recently, but we serve in the shelter and the counseling program about 1,500 people a year.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. Vivian, we're going to take a, t- a commercial timeout, and when we come back, I, I want to continue this conversation We will continue this conversation with Vivian Klitschek, CEO of Human Options. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back after these words from our commercial sponsors. Thank you. make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com
0: and learn more about our executive peer group. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use ENERGY STAR light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council.
1: Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. This is our special monthly edition where we focus on non-profit organizations. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This show is one in a series of weekly programs. If you know of someone that you think would be an interesting guest on one of our shows, either our business-oriented show or our non-profit-oriented shows, then I would ask you to visit our website, Critical M-A-S-S, 4, F-O-R, business.com, select the contact page, and... There you'll find my email address and phone number. Please feel free to get in touch with me and let me know who you think might be an interesting guest, and we'll be happy to have our guest coordinator, Kathleen Shepard, follow up with them, and maybe they'll be on the program. Hey, it might be you. Don't feel badly about nominating yourself. We're always looking for interesting guests. Speaking of interesting guests, Vivian Klitschek, CEO of Human Options, is our guest, and welcome back to the program, Vivian. Thank you. So we left off with you saying that each year you help about 1,500 people. Yeah.
4: So when I think about it, you know, it's close to close enough to 50,000 people in counseling. That doesn't include the hotline, which is more than that, or the prevention programs, which reach about 18,000 youth a year. So we we've, we've touched a lot of lives. We've changed many, we've saved many, and we've touched, you know, even more.
1: And you're to be applauded for that, and I think that's you know why it's so great to do a show like this, to have the opportunity to have people like you who are doing such good things in the community, such needed things in the community, to talk about it to our audience of business owners and executives. I, I guess I have to ask, from your experience, do, do you see people unfortunately come back? Do you, do you counsel women and families only to find maybe that for whatever reason they're back into either The same abusive relationship or, unfortunately, maybe another abusive relationship?
4: Well, that's a good question. We have seen because we do formal research, and I want to emphasize that because very few social service agencies, emergency programs do formal research because it costs money. But we made the decision to seek special grants and to work with independent university faculty. So four times we have had formal research projects. that The professor and his or her graduate students, follow our clients one year or more after graduation from the shelter or the transitional housing program, what we have learned is 90% of our clients are violence-free. So we ask ourselves, there's a myth that women go back. Why don't our clients go back? Well, I think it's because they get healing. They get to grow inside their own confidence, their own sense of self and they get tools to be able to manage their lives, and they get resources, support, whether it's ongoing counseling, whether it's up with uh, affordable housing or training for a vocation. Why do women go back? Well, I'm sure that there are numbers that go back out of fear, out of guilt, out of sense that they have no choice, they have no way to support their families. They sometimes get pressure from traditional families to say the woman's responsible for the marriage. But we have proven that if they get the right kind of support they will not go back
1: and and what type of support from your experience vivian do the children of families where the the father is abusive what type of help do they require to one heal from that experience and two not to become infected by it if you will in later life
4: well, the research shows, national research shows that without intervention, two-thirds of the boys go on to be abusers, and it's not because they want to. It's because there's a deep imprint that happens from early life in that kind of an abusive relationship. So when we have the children in the shelter, in our counseling programs, or in our long-term transitional housing, we provide enormous different kinds of counseling, play therapy, art therapy, Counseling for the mother and the children to help them to learn how to express feelings, how to name their anger, and how not to be angry inside and not able to name it and push it onto other people. Many of them suffer from anxiety, depression, post traumatic stress, and go on to need counseling in the future. We believe that if we can provide those kinds of resources, we can re help the child reinvent his or her responses to stress. We would like to do a long-term research project on the teenagers who were in our transitional housing program when they were young children, six, seven, eight years old, and the only thing that's stopping us right now is that because of the recession, there are fewer opportunities to get funding for this kind of project. But we believe when we do the research, we will be able to prove that with the right intervention, these kids do not live the lives their mothers live.
1: This is a very interesting conversation, and you're such an eloquent speaker on the topic, and I appreciate your knowledge and your ability to share these facts and help our audience understand the nature of this disease and also this criminal act, as you put it as well. And Can you share with us what advice you give in your organization gives to women or families who are facing domestic violence?
4: Please call the hotline, 877-854-3594. You cannot solve this problem alone, and please go to a shelter. You cannot go to your mother's house or your sister's house or your friend's house because that could endanger everybody. Call the hotline, get professional advice, follow through, and you know if it's an absolute emergency, call the police.
1: Can you help me to understand the um you said you have a large i know you have a large volunteer network you mentioned that as well you have Correct. a very robust board so that the men in the audience that are listening who may want to help your organization and support it how, how are you utilizing the skills of the men that are on your board and the men that are in your organization and the volunteers so can you give us a sense for uh, well, kind of um, how they can help
4: On Saturday, it's the last day of our Men's Task Force Appeal. This is a small group of men who are leaders, and we welcome men to join us. And every year, these men do a outreach, 100 men standing against domestic violence. And we'll have an ad in the OC Register sometime in the next several months with the names of these 100 men. We need 30 more names, and we hope to raise a total of $75,000. Our Men's Task Force is... 10 years old now and we want to start doing some new things, uh, workshops for fathers. Uh, everybody wants to be a good father and we want to do some workshops for dads and daughters and dads and sons and our men's task force also is an important voice in the community. They educate their friends. Uh, we have a special volunteer training program for those people who want to work directly with the children or the women. They have to do a, a unique training to become certified domestic violence counselors. Men and women take this training. Many women on our board are advocates in the community both to educate others and to raise money for human options. Uh, some of them are uh, serving right now on our marketing task force, fund development task force. Uh, we have just a wide variety of opportunities. Um, um, call me at 949-737-5242, extension 222, if you want to help. I love to talk to new people, and I'll direct you to the right place.
1: Final question, Vivian you today here on critical mass radio show what is your website
4: Humanoptions.org
1: i want to thank you for being uh, a passionate person who has committed such a significant portion of your life to this cause it's great to have you on a program thank you for being a friend of critical mass radio show and a, a valuable member of our community
4: thank you i feel blessed to have made a difference
1: have a good day all right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the nonprofit version of the Critical Mass radio show heard each week here on octalkradio.net, broadcasting from state-of-the-art studios here at Tech Space in Costa Mesa. I'd like to thank our producer, Rachel Franzi, our guest coordinator, Kelly Faltus, Kathleen Shepard, who also is a guest coordinator slash marketing person, and our engineer today is Paul Roberts. He threw me off there because he was raising his hand waiting for his attention. There's a little bit of uh, love on the radio, as you will. And I'm your host, Rick Franzy Until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your business in a positive direction.
0: You've been listening to Critical Mass, the radio show, right here on OC OCTalkRadio.net.